I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Penny Peep Show. There once was a slimer who had two kids. Their names were Bert and Maggie. Caught by the coppers, they then skipped town. Farewell to old Australia. Jumped on a boat, their dreams to float. All the way to London town. They got a plan, the richest scam. They're cutting out the middleman, the shysters, Bert and Maggie. Our story begins in the hot char and strange governor's shop that our heroes, Bert and Maggie, home. Here they are rounding out their morning by plying their guests with tea, lies and the baked goods of their newly acquired maid. Thank you, my dear. You've taken a mighty weight off my shoulders. My absolute pleasure, Mrs Frobisher. I didn't even know a lifeline could wrap around your wrist like that. Did you see it, Walden? Yes, yes, I saw it. He's sullen because his lifeline (laughs) was so short. Mr and Mrs Frobisher, I trust Margaret took good care of you? She did, Mr von Liegenschwein, as she always does. Your sister is a true doyen of the spiritual arts. Thank you so much for saying Mrs. Frobisher. Best thing about the bloody afternoon was the tea cake. Holden, language! Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Frobisher. If Margaret did anything wrong. All this jiggery pokery doesn't take my fancy like it does my wife. Holden, you're being rude. It's all right, Mrs. Frobisher. The subtle arts of our trade are often disrespected. Just pass my compliments on to whoever does your baking. I shall, Mr. Frobisher. Look at the time, will you? I should be at the club by now. Very well, Walton. Thank you again, Miss von Liegenschwein. Any time, Mrs. Frobisher. Oh, lovely woman. She's an idiot. But nice, and one of our best customers. Oh, I cannot deny that, Maggie. Little Willie. Mr. Burt. Did you catch a look at that couple what just left? I've got an eyeful. The gentleman is sporting a tasty pocket watch. If you could. Yes, Mr. Burt. What? How am I supposed to feel when you send my adopted son to pick the pockets of my best customers? Dunno, they're your emotions, you deal with them. Maud? Mr. Von Liegenschwein? Cracking job on those tea cakes. Oh, thank you, sir. It's a new recipe I've been trying. You like them? I put a swirl of treacle in. They don't normally have that. No, I, I put it in special, seeing how my treacle scones are your favourite. They were good. Might have another later. Just you shout when and I'll toss one up for you. Will do, Maud. Now, back you go. Yes, sir. You are a true doyen of bossing everyone about. I like to think so. Good afternoon, sir. You! Good afternoon, Albert. What are you doing here? Bird! That's no way to address a customer. Good afternoon, Julius. And good afternoon to you, Margaret. I shan't have it, Maggie. I well know what Julius Montjoy is doing here. I don't know what you mean. We've been extra careful you didn't catch us together by virtue of the fact that we have not seen each other in some time. That's right. You are looking in the pink, Margaret. Thank you, Julius. Is that a new haircut? Not since yesterday. <coughs> yesteryear. Ah, yes. Yesteryear. So long ago, good 
times. Always a pleasure to see you, Julius. A rare pleasure, of course. A very uncommon pleasure. All the more uncommon by the fact that you've waltzed in through the doors in broad daylight. Would it be less uncommon if he came in the dead of night? Yes. Uh, wait, no, I mean, seeing him at all is It the... has become apparent that you have not respected my authority on this matter, Maggie. Oh, sorry, Bert. You say sorry, but I don't think you mean it. I don't, Bert. Oh. Oh, I don't know why you're griping, Bert. I'd have thought Julius would be right up your alley. I beg your absolute pardon, Maggie. He's rich, he's wealthy, he's got money. All true. Uh, that's not the reason he's up my alley, of course. Oh, but he's no Wombat Willie. Wombat Willie? Oh, that poor sod. Oh, a long-forgotten former suitor of mine, Julius. Nothing for you to worry about. Wombat Willie, for all his faults, his many faults, his many, many, many faults, had one redeeming feature. Are you about to say something nice about Wombat Willie? Put it in the ledger. This marks a first. Wombat Willie... Broke, diagnosably stupid, and chronically drunk though he may have been, was not the son of a policeman. Oh, Bert! I can't deny it. A policeman who hates us. True. That's not Julie's fault. Julie? Julius. Julius's fault. Oh, that's hard to say. Julie? It's a nickname. No, I forbid it. No nicknames, no nighttime dalliances you think I don't know about, and no more this. You're just fluttering your hands between us. Remember what Ma used to say about the children of policemen? Bert, I'm not going to cover Julian Gravy and drop him in a pig pen. Why? What would happen? Nor am I going to hold him by the foot and spin him above me until all the blood collects in his head. Whose idea was this? And I'm not even sure I could shove him back up his mother. I'm being serious, Maggie. No more. No more, I say. Oh, why'd you have to get a bee in your bonnet about it, Bert? Yes, there's no reason to get upset. And why'd you have to put the bee in there in the first place? Are you angry at me? This argument wouldn't have happened if you just snuck in the window at night like usual. I came here with a business opportunity. Well, not so much a business opportunity as an opportunity to make money. I'm listening. Ah, you were right. It did pique his interest. <sighs> Go on, Julie. What have you got in mind? I was at a gathering last night. A tedious affair in general, but I was keeping the company of two of my school chums. The fourth Lord Balfour and the Viscount of Cawthorn. Fancy. Oh no, they're utter cads. Oh, I thought you said they were your friends. They're the worst kind of spoiled aristocrats one could imagine. And two of my closest compatriots. Last night, we were gathered at a soiree. Nice. Drinks in hand and deep in conversation. Gentlemen, a surprise and a delight to see you. It's not surprising. Why, all three of us gather here reliably for these monthly dues. You are correct, Balfe. Then we shall allow it to be merely a delight. You are in fine fettle this evening, twirly. You are twirly, grinning ear to ear. Uh, wait, I'm confused. Didn't you say there were lords and counts? Viscounts. <laughs> Viscounts? Why not? What's your point? Balfe, you see, is the fourth Lord Balfe. Oh, there's only one right now. Will the others be along later? Could get confused. He's the only Lord Balfour. Uh, but you said... There's been four. It's one at a time. Oh, I suppose. That makes sense. Well, what were you expecting? Well, if I'm honest, I was hoping this was to be a humorous story about identical quadruplets and their many mischiefs. Well, what about the other one, this twirly one? Twirly? Yeah, the twirly one. That's twirly. Well, that's not the name of any Viscount I've ever met. Why? Have you met a cow? That's his nickname from school, where we went, together. So why twirly? It's a bit of a story. Mm, a story within a story. I've been caught in those before. They're 
They're very confusing. We're already playing with fire, inserting these flashbacks. Come on, why is the V-Count of Cawthorn known as Twirly to his friends? Uh, he used to turn around a lot. Right. I see. I guess being a Viscount doesn't give you a sense of humour. <laughs> Viscount, when you We can... didn't laugh the first time, Maggie. Sorry, Bert. Back to the party, you and Balf and Twirly, etc. So we're forewarned, and to garner any objections now, amongst my public school chums, I'm known as Monty. Monty? For my surname, Montjoy. It's a nickname, you see. I'm familiar with the concept. Go on, Julie, tell your story. Monty, Julie, oh Christ, pick a name. For the purposes of this story, it shall be Monty. You're in fine fettle this evening, Twirly. You are, Twirly. Grinning from ear to ear. I've had a successful day. One might say I've had a triumph of a day. Hmm, might one. I've won a wager, didn't I? Another one? Who this time? I bet Edelbert Colfield I could sneak a man out of Newgate Prison. Let's just say there's one more free man on the streets of London, and my pockets are £25 heavier. £25. And how much did it cost you in bribes? That's not the point. And what of the prisoner? Some murderer or... Some such. Who cares? I won. Applause all round. What has you so churlish, Balf? When you're in a mood, you drown your sorrows in beer and bosoms. A bosom would be a fine thing if it weren't attached to the most blighted of God's creatures. The woman. I feel a detached bosom would be quite a distressing thing. Women. All the same. Be they highborn or low, they take your heart and your money and spit the rest back in your face. If you will pursue whores, then that's to be expected. Never mind, Balf. There's plenty of game girls out there crying out to be disappointed. Disappointed by you. Speaking of, Miss Clara Archard is here this evening. Really? Where? Behind you. Ah! Miss Archard, I didn't see you there. Hello, Lord Balfour. Please, my friends call me Hubert. Do they, Lord Balfour? <laughs> I must say, you're looking exceedingly lovely this evening, <sighs> Miss Archard. Do I? In this old thing? Mm. Why, well, it's last season that it's practically rags. I'd be happy to tear those rags from your body. Would you care for a drink, Lord Balfour? Why, I'd love one. Here, have mine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You spilt your wine. Hasn't he just? All over his face. You'll ruin your lovely suit, sir. Here, let me help clean you up. I rather have made a mess, haven't I? I've seen worse, sir. I should get out of these wet things. Oh, leave a nasty stain. And maybe I can get your things wet and then get you out of them. Sir, get your hands off me! (gasps) Well done. Spirited. Warms the heart. So what were you saying about women, Balf? That they're all the same. Case in point, my wet suit and my slapped cheek. I see your point. Congratulations on your victory. I thank you. I counter. Their mutual distaste for you isn't enough to render all women the same. Why, I'd react in a similar fashion should you make an advance on me. An idea better left in theory. Quite, for I've only just refreshed my glass. What I'm saying, though, is one couldn't take a lady out of society, Miss Archard, for example, and swap her with some squashed cabbage leaf of a woman from the streets. Why not? One would simply have to take a lady of society, Miss Archard, for example, and push her in a puddle. What would that achieve? She'd look like a cabbage woman. She wouldn't fit in. Her voice, her bearing, her manners. True. Pushing her into a puddle might make her look like a street urchin, but it would not assist her in unlearning French. You could teach French to a pauper. Also true. 
true. Manners and posture are all a matter of training, Twirly. So you think you could take one of those other women? A cabbage woman. A squashed cabbage woman. You could take her and make her fit for society? You're excitable all of a sudden. Think why? Do I detect a wager in the air? I say we each recruit some Covent Garden ragamuffin and make our best efforts to pass her off as a lady. And to make it interesting, let us each contribute, say... 50 guineas. The one whose lady best passes muster wins the lot. What do you say? And who will be the judge? It can't be you, Bow. I believe our host has a most discerning eye when it comes to these sorts of things. Perhaps he, at our next monthly gathering, can be the judge. Intriguing. I accept. Monty? Agreed. Very good, sirs. In a month, we shall reconvene, and we shall see which gentlemen can best disseminate their freshly emerged butterfly under the nose of society's sailor's elite. that's why I'm here. I would like you, Margaret, to help me win the wager. Well, I like the idea of being a butterfly, but you and I both know we've left the disseminating a bit late. Why would I, as caretaker of my sister's future, oh. allow some utter failure and ignorant, incompetent, pretentious, unwelcome, useless little snob to parade her around society like some exotic mammal in a zoo? Why would I, huh? As a favour? For the money. 150 guineas. Oh, she's all yours. Yes, don't I get a say in all this? Not for 150 guineas. Guineas, you don't. Do you know how many tea cakes we'd have to sell to make 150 guineas? Oh, 150 guineas. I resent the whole thing. I'm not a squashed cabbage woman. Of course not. Oh, that's what you implied. You've got it wrong. I was listening. I'm not stupid. I apologise unreservedly, Margaret, to have rendered any offence. I don't think of you as a cabbage woman at all. I don't even know what that means, and it's still the worst thing someone's ever called me. I was thinking we could deceive Balfour Twirly. I'd win the wager. You and your brother would get the money. Oh, 150 guineas. Great. You've broken Bert. Bert? Bert, are you there? But wait. He returns. Why would you call upon my sister, noted spiritualist, to participate in societal fraud? Bear in mind I'm on board with the given offering of 150 guineas. We know. Because you're a pair of enterprising charlatans. Excuse me? Why would you think that? Because Margaret said you were. Maggie? Oh, bloody hell, Julie, you're ruining everything today. Maggie? Look, I may have... It was just... It was pillow talk, all right? After... It, we got to talking about all your schemes. What sort of pillow talk involves extensive chit-chatting about your brother? That has to be the most unromantic, unerotic, post-coital conversation I've ever heard of. What's more, he's the son of a policeman. Our nemesis. True. Uh, leave off, Bert. You've never understood about these things. How could you be so stupid, Maggie? I'm not going to tell father. And the material point is we can now work together on this project. I accept your terms, but only for the 150 years. What, don't I get a say in this? No. So how do we make this presumptuous insect into a lady? And so Maggie is going from pig to pygmalion. Will Bert make his money? Can Maggie become a lady? Or will she have to settle for being a woman? Find out after this message. That's Not Canon is a community committed to giving new podcasters a platform to share their voices and have some fun. If you would like to get started podcasting or simply enjoyed this podcast and would like to find out more, you can head over to our website at thatsnotcanon.com. If you simply want to support us and what we do, we would very much welcome your patronage at patreon.com forward slash that's not canon. 
Hello friends, creator of the podcast Kieran here. Thank you so much for listening to episode 2 of season 3 of Bert and Maggie, An Acceptable Woman. I hope you're glad to have Bert and Maggie back on the podcast. I know my dad is. He sent me a lovely email. It goes, Hi Kieran. Aw. Hi Kieran. Good to have Bert and Maggie back. I can actually understand what they are saying. Oh, thanks, Dad. That's almost a compliment. Are you introducing some sexual tension into the plot with the arrival of Maud? Cheers, Dad. Well, you'll just have to keep listening, Dad, to find out what Maud is all about. If you have your own opinions, why not reach out on the links in the episode description? Send me something juicy and I'll read it out along with my Dad's review. Alright, back to the episode. Bye. When we left our heroes, they were beginning an earnest month of back-breaking, corset-tying, book-balancing lady-making. We catch up to them in the midst of a montage. Here is the new dress. Well, what's wrong with her dress? Nothing. It's just not up to the minute formal wear for society functions. Oh, bird! Isn't this nice, bird? Oh, I would like the big fake ass. That's a bustle. Oh, could smuggle a ham in the thing. And then... The soup spoon is placed to the right of the fish knife. I see. Is there going to be a meal served at this party? No. Why are we doing this? Try again. A pleasure to be sure, Lord Belfour. And what do you make of the wig party, Miss von Liegenschwein? One does not cloud one's mind with politics. One would much rather think of uh, doilies and dresses. I'd like to get dresses off your mind. You would, Lord Belfour. And off your body. Oh, you dirty perf. Mind your manners. No, Maggie. And that's how most women respond to Lord Belfour. And here she is, the masterpiece that is the newly reborn Miss von Liegenstein. You're beautiful. Thank you, Maud. You always look pretty to me, Mum. You're a sweetie yourself, little Willie. It's a fine illusion, until she opens her mouth. You can surely go kick yourself in the bollocks. Oh, so posh. When in doubt, cover your mouth with your fan and giggle. Like this? Oh! (laughs) Works for me. I feel a right ninny. Then it's working. Society ladies are all ninnies. And the men too. And soon all the ninnies shall gather again to see the result of our wager. When's the party? Why, tomorrow night. That month passed quickly. We were working very hard. We? And we shall find out if it was a waste of time tomorrow night. Can someone help me out of this dress? The fake ass can be a handful. Right, here we are. How do I look? Like an absolute picture. A picture of what? Oh, um, something beautiful. Aww. There's Twirly. Remember, when in doubt, say nothing. Oh, I retract that oh and replace it with a stiff arch of my eyebrows. Perfect. That's how most ladies look at them. There you are, Monty. And here I was thinking you'd be a pigeon-livered rugbag and neglect to come knowing defeat was assuredly assured. I wouldn't be so sure, Twirly. And to that end, may I introduce Miss Von Liegenschwein? Good evening, my dear. Don't you look lovely? Lovely. Don't patronise me, you unctuous plutocrat. My, my. The vocabulary alone. I'm impressed, Monty. And yet consistently smug. Why, here comes Bal for the feminine offerings. Monty. Bal. May I present the enchanting Miss Pleasant <laughs> Mannering. Good evening. And this is Nelly. I mean, Miss Nelly. Hiya. Good evening to you both. <laughs> Aren't they wonderful? Balf and I found our girls together. We flicked through a copy of Harris's list of Covent Garden ladies and found the two listed with the best teeth. Ow! 
dare you, sir? We are flower girls. That's right. We may come from humble beginnings, but we are good girls. Ever so good. You weren't bashful about your profession when I plucked you from underneath that sweaty drunkard. That weren't at a society function. And there could be coppers here. Yeah! And we are good girls, we are. Wait, I know you too. You do? Oh, yeah. It's that girl. That girl from that time and that time before. You're the two over-literate whores. It's not possible to be over-literate. Oh, you look great. Polish up nicely. One can't thank you enough, milady. Yeah, cheers. I can't help feel that Twirly has made more inroads than you, Belle. My girl wouldn't do half the things I asked. I wore the clothes, didn't I? Ain't they nice? This fake ass is something else, though. She wouldn't even change her name. I couldn't stop mine from changing her name. Miss Pleasant Mannering. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> It's a pun. It's not. It is. You've just taken a regular word and used it as a proper noun. I don't call that a pun. But it means my demeanour and my name. <laughs> it's hardly earned, is it? I suppose. Then it's ironic, ain't it? A common flower girl. A regular flower girl. Being called pleasant. It's not ironic either. You chose the name to go with the surrounding events. Irony is created by a conflation of circumstances, not willful manipulation. I'll allow that your name is humorous in context. At best. You are odd, Nelly. You can't trifle with the English language, pleasant. Oh, I wish Bert were here to see this. That's fella you're usually with. I thought he hated us. Oh, he does. And he'd loathe whatever is happening right now. Shall we get on with it then? Have our host make the judgement? Feeling confident, Balfe? No, but the sooner the wager is settled, the sooner I can take Miss Nelly to the alleyway behind the house. Oh. Really, Balfe? Have a modicum of respect. Forget that. Here comes the judge. There you are, Julius. You made it. Wouldn't dream of missing it, Father. Oh, no. You know how angry I get when you skip out on an invitation? That's why I wouldn't dream of missing it, Father. Bloody hell. Good evening, Sir Melville. How do you do, Sir Melville? Balfour, Cawthorn, you're here, I see. We are, Sir Melville, and we were seeking your expertise. None of your silken tongue bedeviling, Cawthorn. Out with it. We need you to make a decision about a wager. Oh, no. We have brought with us this evening three ladies. Except they may not be what they see. We would be honoured, sir, if you could say which of the three do you think is the most ladylike of all of them? Jubileus. Just pick, father. <sighs> you stitched me up, you have. Wait, is that? <sighs> I'd know that face, that voice. Good evening, sir Melville. Miss von Liegenschwein. I should have known you'd be here the moment I caught a whiff of impropriety. And where is your wretched brother? Hiding in a nearby fern, no doubt. Come now, father. She is no lady, Julius. Aha! That leaves two. Which of our damsels oh, is it to be? Pick me, Sir Melville. <laughs> I'm a good girl, I am. <laughs> Ugh, not this one. I'll pick the silent one with the sour expression. What? Me? Yes, you. Is the wager done, then? Yes. <laughs> Come on, hand over your money. Here you go. Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> Handing over money like a common merchant. You embarrass me, Julius. I know, Father. Rid yourself of these infamous creatures and then get back to mingling with actual guests. Yes, Father. Where's my share of the money? Here you go. And now let's say you and... <laughs> Let's go, Pleasant. As you say, Miss Nelly. Oh, bloody hell. Oh, I have a mind to do the same to you, Julius Montjoy. What did I do? A right garden path you've led me down. 
Your father, the judge, you know what he thinks of me. And what must he think of me now? Well, I'm not sure he could think much lower of what you. What a waste of time. All to humiliate me in public. But, Margaret... Good night, sirs. Enjoy your soiree. She seems angry, doesn't she? And you also seem upset? She's someone I happen to care for. Really? Yes. I've not had many successful interactions with the women. However, my instinct tells me that if you like her and she's angry with you, then an apology is a thing that you give them, that you apply it and say to them, uh, you go to them and say, I'm, I'm sorry, then that will, do you know what I mean? That's the most sensible thing you've ever said, Balf. Oh, oh, you're welcome. You must win her back, Monty. Let's make a wager. Stop if making you're... wagers, Twirly. It isn't normal to constantly be making wagers. But it's the only way I feel alive. If you'll excuse me, there's a lady I should be pursuing. There you are, Margaret. I'm still irritated at you. I can tell. Why didn't you warn me your dad was going to be there? We were always going to lose the wager. It wasn't about the wager. Oh, what do you mean? It was all about the wager. I wore a for you. I don't care about the wager or the money. I was using it as an excuse to spend time with you. What? A whole month we got to spend in each other's company without having to avoid your brother. What? I'd say the wager has more than paid for itself. Are you being a sap on me? I suppose I am. Oh, how peculiar. You're out early. How did it go? Where's the money? We didn't win, Bert. Oh, no, damn it. Oh, I could taste those 150 guineas. I know, Bert. I really wanted it. You don't say, Bert. Well, what happened? Did you muck it up, Maggie? Did you call someone a dirty purse? I didn't. I... Well... It was my fault. One of the girls there, she was real fancy. A work of art. I'm thinking about changing my name to Miss Cunny Cochlane. <laughs> it's not very subtle, but it does pay to advertise. <laughs> Was that? Was her what? Oh, doesn't matter, I guess. Damnation! 150 guineas! I'd best get back before Father notices my absence. Did you want to... I'll head home with Bert. All right. Good night, Margaret. You'll always be the fair lady of my heart. Get out of here. Till next time, Albert. There won't be a next time. Do you hear me, Maggie? No next time. There will be a next time, Bert. And many more besides. Maggie, I'm putting my Every girl has a right to be loved, Bert. Every girl... Don't mumble. Tisn't ladylike. What? Why would I want Come on. Let's get a handsome cab and head home. Yeah! She may not have won the money, but Maggie seems to have gotten the prize. Will Maggie and Julius continue to rendezvous? What will Bert Ronde do? There's only one way to find out. Join us next time for more cracking, historically accurate Victorian adventures with Bert and Maggie. Bert and Maggie featured the voices of... Kieran Davey as Bert. Jacqueline Osorio as Maggie. David Moss as Julius Montjoy and Little Will. Adam Dergerman as Belle. David Stokes as Twirly. Rhiannon Mauschel as Nellie and the Maid. Rosie Williamson as Mrs. Frobisher and Miss Pleasant Mannering. Danny Payne as Maud and Miss Archard. Matt James as Mr. Frobisher. And... Matt Graham as the narrator. Words by Kieran Davey. Music... By Matthew Shamer. <laughs>
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.